and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about teen vampires reading Twilight, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Crave by Tracy Wolfe. Joining us to discuss this YA vampire series for a new generation is Twilight nostalgist Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hello. We did not know how good we had it. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. Carrie, of course, is our um, most frequent flyer guest, been, been with us since the literal first episode where we did, of course, read Twilight. Yeah. And now that was nine years ago. That's not okay. Yeah, that sounds pretty fake. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, in fact, our ninth anniversary episode. Yeah. And so we originally, you know, we read one Twilight book a year for our anniversary episodes. And then we ran out of Twilight. And Stephanie Meyer still hasn't put out any new books. Yeah, we ran out of Twilights. And we tried. There was one year that we did something else instead. We played the D&D game. Oh, yeah. And then twilight which was unexpected but delightful i'm by delightful i mean it was pretty bad actually but it was for our purposes we were very excited yeah and people keep sending us the link that's like stephanie meyer says she'll write two more books and it's not your fault for being tricked but people keep recycling the same clickbait quote from like years ago uh and that was a long time ago and i'm starting to not believe that she has two more twilight books coming she has a lot of money. She has a lot of money. I will keep it on my vision board, of course, but I'm beginning to become skeptical. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this book, if you haven't seen the cover of it, I will urge you to go and look up the cover of Crave by Tracy Wolf, and you'll see why I thought maybe it could be a Twilight substitute, because that is extremely what the cover designer wanted us to think, and I fell right into their trap. And I, I will say that this is, it is, I don't know that it will have the cultural staying power of Twilight, but it is fucking bonkers. Yeah. Uh, and it's, okay, this book is, it's long, it's a big old brick like a Twilight. You know, the cover is, is black with just a photo of a white flower with blood on it. The font is similar. But it's worse it is worse somehow i have a lot of theories about that actually so on the right podcast yeah it's very it, it the thing that got me about it and i listened to it on audio and it just it, like the amount of like weird slang and stuff that was in there and not like weird like world building slang but like are are teens really out there saying fml when they are having a bad day yeah this book came out in 2020 and it just it just felt like a lot of a, a lot of it felt not outdated yeah all of their cultural references are from the 90s or they're from recent year things that I, an old lady, know. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't accomplish either the feeling of youth or, you know, the it of being funny or relatable. And I, I'm actually really curious if, like, 
do teens read these or are these is this like a well first of all okay i just gotta put this up front is tracy wolf a human being <laughs> uh i cannot confirm that i never met her i don't mean this in the gargoyle sense i mean it slightly more in the james patterson sense in that this woman has her name on too many books to have written them all, which is fine. A lot of people do that. I, if you're not Nora Roberts, I don't believe you're, that's really your, your work in there. But also it has the feeling of some kind of algorithm that just got thrown in some cultural references. And like, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah, because there's so much to unpack. But here's a unique trait that a vampire could have pluck it out of a box, throw it in the blender. You know, it's very much that kind of thing. And it's like, there doesn't see, um, Twilight has that feeling of like, it's some weird girl's blog, which is what I love about it. And yeah. there's just, there's no feeling of a real person behind this. And, this is like, you went to chat GPT and were like, could you write some weird girl's blog for me? Thanks. Yes. And there's, there's, there's just that indefinable difference. Yes, and things like, okay, people love to kind of dunk on Stephanie Meyer for the the nondescriptness of things where she's like, oh, I put in the CD of my favorite band and Edward likes my favorite band. And from her blog and the movies, we know that that band is Muse. But she in the book, she doesn't say Muse and people are like, that's silly. But in retrospect, it aged better than this. It aged better than the love interest in 2020s favorite song being truly madly deeply by savage garden yes a song that i loved when i was in eighth grade in the, the 1990s a, a cd that i purchased myself at sam goody at the mall uh, i here's the thing i thought that because he says that like he lists a bunch of his favorite songs and they do include truly madly deeply by savage garden and also brown eyed girl and I was like, oh, is this going to be the tell that he's a vampire? Is that he's been here, like, he, he's, you know, decades old. And, like, so his favorite songs span, like, several. No, it, they make a very firm point of saying that this, this boy is 17 and he has yes. been on the planet for 17 years. And his favorite songs are Anything by Beethoven, Savage Garden, truly madly deeply like Savage Garden, and Brown Eyed Girl are his 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 the music he jams to. Okay, and I'm also sorry. Childish Gambino. Gambino <laughs> too. Yes, how could I forget? How could you? And well, and Brown Eyed Girl, he says, is his new recent favorite song, and it's like him wink wink hitting on her because she's a brown eyed girl. Oh. So I don't even know if he likes the song so much as he, as he likes a certain brown eyed girl. <sighs> Um, yeah. it's fucking wild yeah and also this book okay it has 64 chapters each chapter has a title each title could function like you could put it on a button and sell it at Hot Topic um, <laughs> with like a little you know um, what is it like the happy bunny like a weird little cartoon of the happy bunny as a vampire or something so like well, actually, okay, there's 65 chapters, I guess, because there's a chapter zero beginning, which is, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Hell yeah, pin that on my messenger bag. 
Landing, <laughs> landing is just throwing yourself at the ground and hoping you don't miss. Oh, love it. Just because you live in a tower doesn't make you a prince. These are just the first three. They're all like this. Uh, put them all in my messenger bag. It's going to look sick as hell. Okay, let me tell you. Maggie Stiefvater, before she quit Twitter the, the most recent time, put up a thing <laughs> that was like, do you, it was like a poll that was like, do you like chapter titles in books? Which I don't think she has used them in any of hers. And so then it came back and a lot of people were like, yeah, chapter title, sure. She's like, oh, huh. I... I, I might, you know, take that into advisement because I've never used chapter titles. And I was like, who, how, who has strong feelings against chapter titles? Chapter titles are fine, whatever. And then I got to this book and I was like, I went to burn chapter titles with a blowtorch. So I changed my vote, Maggie Stevon. <laughs> Sigh. I didn't hate them. I was just embarrassed by them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're just cringe. Well, again, I don't, I, I don't think we can say all chapter titles are cringe. Like we're <laughs> painting. Certainly, some other chapter titles are fine. Just like some other vampire books with black covers and white and red cover art <laughs> are fine, but some of them are this one. <laughs> it's really bad. There is one that's like something about baked Alaska that's supposed to be a joke, and I was like, oh, are they going to smoke weed in this? And that was the that was what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, some of the puns don't really make sense. Yeah, because I had that same thought too, and it wasn't. I, I think it was. It was because she was high from the painkillers or whatever. I guess, but I usually think of baked like specifically being weed, right? No. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying I think it makes sense. To be <laughs> okay. <clear. laughs> okay. I'm not saying I think it was a good choice. I just, when when reverse engineering after reading the chapter, what I thought the title must have been about. Very possible. And by the way, the, the full chapter title is, of course, Baked Alaska is more than just a yummy dessert. Right. Sure. Uh, okay, so let's start, let's dial back to chapter zero. Uh, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. This is a book about a girl named Grace. She is a tragic orphan. She's from San Diego. There's a lot, a lot of commonalities with Bella from Twilight. First of all, like Bella and Grace, we both have these like delicate girl names. Um, Bella, of course, not an orphan, but uh, she has moved from a hot place to a cold place, just as Grace is moving from sunny San Diego to Fair. Uh, it's not Fairbanks, Alaska. That's where she flies into. I don't know, some small town, but to go to Katmere Academy, which is a boarding school in rural Alaska, that her only relative is her Uncle Finn, and he's the headmaster. And then Uncle Finn's daughter, her cousin Macy, is a student there. So this, by the way, every chapter... Okay, we were, like, texting about this book before we got into recording, and we were like, oh my god, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And I was like, yeah... Um, there's not really any big plot movement until 53% of the way through the Kindle edition, actually. So there's a lot of, like, one chapter will simply be a description of her new bedding or whatever. It's a very like, James Patterson approach to breaking up the book. Yes and no, because I do feel like in each of James Patterson's short chapters, something happened. And a lot of these are literally just like, well, I made my bed while I'm walking through the cafeteria. And then the next chapter is, and then I sat down in the cafeteria. <laughs> I found an interview because I was trying to figure something about the the, publish, the publisher of this. And it's, I think, Entangled. 
Is that right? Entanglement? Entangled, yeah. And it's mostly a romance imprint that I guess this was one of their ventures into YA. But I was trying to find something about it and I found an interview with the lady who ran it. And she basically, like, her only criteria for, like, what makes a good book is that there should be a cliffhanger at the end of every chapter. And I'm like, well, I guess if your idea of a cliffhanger is will she get to the get through the cafeteria and sit down you know like whatever but they do stop in the middle of the action for no reason yeah well there is some hot debate over whether or not the cafeteria will run out of chocolate croissants before she gets (laughs) one so i guess um honestly i am pretty invested in chocolate croissants so that's a better cliffhanger than some of them oh uh, at the beginning we got distracted i can't imagine why carrie you were asking if teens actually read this yes please. i gotta say i don't think so much i've never been asked for it it seems to rarely check out like we do also i was surprised by tracy wolf's author bio bio where you were like oh she's written too many books she's written like over 60 books but yeah mostly adult romance so we don't have any of her other books in my teen room i i did buy them because well, partly because when the first one came in, I was like, oh, it looks like Twilight, lol, I'm buying it. But uh, they don't seem to circulate hugely. Yeah, I, it feels like it was maybe a strategy to get her adult romance readers who were like YA curious. And mm-hmm. then just as a bonus, try to grab some people who are, again, nostalgic for 20 years ago or whenever Twilight came out. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Okay, so anyway, Grace is arriving at Catmere Academy. It's so cold. She has to wear layers. She's used to sunshine. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Her cousin Macy picks her up after the plane lands uh, and takes her up to the literal castle that this boarding school is in via snowmobile. And by the way, she does notice I pulled this quote on my re-skim and I'm just going to drop it in now because it's one of the only times this concept is mentioned. As we get closer, I can't help wondering if my eyes are deceiving me or if there are gargoyles, actual gargoyles, protruding from the top of the castle walls. I know it's just my imagination, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't half expect to see Quasimodo waiting for us when we finally get here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spooky castle <laughs> in Alaska. Um. So they get to the castle and uh, Grace immediately notices that like everyone is staring at her. And Macy is like, I'm going to get my dad. Like, you wait here. And she's like, cool, I will. And then, like, the second that Macy leaves, the, like, hottest boy she's ever seen who's, like, really standoffish and, like, dressed all in black and, like, she can tell is a bad boy. But also, like, she, like, is so into him even though she's never seen him before and never felt like this a boy before comes up and starts i I just i have to let tracy will speak for herself because she is doing some real good work here okay please uh by the way this boy's name is jackson at this place grace doesn't know it yet but like it's jackson with an x yeah j-a-x-o-n his scar should make him less attractive should do something anything to negate the incredible power of his looks but somehow the scar only emphasizes the danger, turning him from just another pretty boy with angelic looks into someone a million times more compelling. A fallen angel with a bad boy vibe for miles and a million stories to back that vibe up. And then also of herself, Grace says, seriously, when exactly did I become the heroine in some YA romance? 
the new girl swooning over the hottest, most unattainable boy in school, gross and so not happening. Yeah. Do you guys want to guess what does happen? <laughs> <laughs> also, like, so <laughs> literally also what happens while she's sitting there, she sees a chessboard and it's dragons versus vampires. And Jackson makes these like leading comments about like dragons and vampires talking about them as if they are real things. Which is the immediate moment that I was like, oh, I understand now dragons and vampires go to this school. Because I, I knew nothing going in except that it was vampire adjacent and that Renata said that this would be a good successor to our to Twilight and that there were a lot of books so that we could keep it up for a few years. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't bother reading anything and like it was just it was so clumsy <laughs> and all throughout as they're trying to keep the secret of like what what the school really is like every attempt is so obvious and clumsy yes and this book is like sort of genre aware but also sort of stupid and so do you guys know the show Legacies? I only from you talking about it. Okay. Okay. Is that in the Vampire Diaries universe or is that something different? Yes, correct. It's in the Vampire Diaries okay. universe. It was not as successful as Vampire Diaries. Lindsay and I, uh, my roommate and I tried to watch it. Like during during peak pandemic times, we watched all of Vampire Diaries. And then we tried to get into Legacies. And even though we watch all of Vampire Diaries, all of Riverdale, we we are we'll take trash, but we just gave up on legacies. But the concept of legacies is that it is a boarding school run by a side character from Vampire Diaries for young vampires, werewolves, and witches, as well as one character who's a tribrid because she's all three. And there's um there's a lot going on with legacies, and it simply is not as fun as I wished it were. But it's sort of, it doesn't necessarily have the name recognition of, like, a lot of the other stuff she's dropping, like the Harry Potter, and um, she talks about Silence of the Lambs weirdly a lot, I think, for a teenager, but go off, I guess. Anyway, so she's like, oh, I love Legacies. Macy's like, okay, yeah, we can watch Legacies. They are living in Legacies. (laughs) I will say, I will say that as a teenager, I too talked about Silence of the Lambs a lot, even though it came out many years before I was a teenager. But I do think you have to be a certain type of teenager to talk about Silence of the Lambs a lot. And Grace has not given us any indication that she likes any other murder adjacent things. True. What does Grace like? Well, that's the thing. She's a drummer, supposedly, but we're told that and she gets this like weirdly sexy reaction when she sees a drum. But again, that would be like the easiest thing to work into like characterization. Like maybe she's always, you know, making beats or whatever and her, you know, that would just give her something. I am sorry because Hadassah is trying to jump on my microphone. But well, it's Cal's got stuff to say, man. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know, she's she's got nothing. She's just a, she's a, she likes her dead parents. She's a situation. Yeah. She's in, I mean, you know, that's a compelling situation. Sure. She's an orphan getting sent to live in the uncle on a castle, but it's like, 
like it doesn't go that's the whole thing that i said about it feeling like a computer program you know it's like you're not feeling any and you know she's kind of got a snarky voice it's not terrible but it's there's nothing distinct about her voice versus pretty much any anybody else so yeah i don't know what she's into it's a good question yeah versus like at least bella like she likes old books she likes to read like she's sort of uh lame but that's a personality i am sorry I have forgotten. Grace's passion. Very stupid jokes like you would get off a pack of bazooka gum. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. She does like those. Laffy Taffy girl. Yeah. And that it, that is her like primary form of flirting, which like I'm like, I think that's meant to be cute. But again, it just kind of feels like a Mad Lib. Yeah. Um, also, like, so Macy's her cousin but because she lives in Alaska, they haven't seen each other in a pretty long time. So Macy, like, remembers what she was like when she was a kid, which was that she liked hot pink as a color and Dr. Pepper as a drink. And she doesn't like hot pink anymore, but she still likes Dr. Pepper. Yeah, lots of lots of important stuff. Yeah. Um. So immediately after, right before Macy comes back, after Jackson like warns her off and tells her she's in danger and she's going to get killed here. She's like, this is fucking weird. And then Macy comes back and is like with her dad and the dad, her Grace's uncle is like, Oh, I wish I could come get you, but I had to be here for important school reasons, but I'm so glad you're here. I'm so sorry that your parents are dead. Welcome to the school. It's going to be great. You're going to room with Macy. Uh, You're going to have a great time here everything's great we're gonna make a strong boy carry your suitcases up to the third floor where you live yes and that's when uh flint enters and flint is another like super hot guy uh who all one of the most popular boys in school that all the girls are in love with and he immediately is like charming and nice to grace and Macy is, like, jealous, but not jealous, because she's like, oh, I have my boyfriend who I love, but also, like, Flint's very hot. Mm-hmm. And he carries uh, Grace up the stairs, because Grace has altitude sickness and is too weak to climb up the stairs on her own. So he carries her, which is a normal thing to do. Oh, wait, wait. I promised or not I would tell this story. Please. When I was in college and I lived on the fourth floor of the dorm, I sprained my ankle and my friend said she would come and get me in her car because I didn't have a car and take me to the clinic. Well, I opened the door and she had sent her boyfriend because she couldn't make it. I had not met this boy. He was incredibly hot, just like really like good looking, like blonde soccer player type situation. And he quickly became apparent that I was not going to be able to walk down the stairs. So I piggybacked on this very attractive man that I did not know down the steps of my dorm. And that was the most relatable part of this book for me. But um, <laughs> So it does happen in real life. Has happened. Wow. Well, that checks out. So Grace gets settled in and, you know, they... There's a lot of just back and forth, literally describing the bedding. Yeah, she does have altitude sickness and everyone's like really hung up on that, which now I'm like, is this supposed to be a clue? Like, I mean, I know altitude sickness is a real thing, but was this supposed to be a clue of what her secret is? 
I certainly kept waiting for it to be, but like many things at the end of this book were not explained. So I also another thing. So Macy has this like gemstone beaded curtain in their room and she's like, oh, it gives everyone a static shock when they touch it and it doesn't shock Grace. Is that a clue? Well, yeah, that's never explained. Yeah, it's never explained. My assumption immediately was that Grace is a non-magical person. It was supposed to protect her somehow. Mm. And then it when it didn't shock her, then it, it was indication that she was secretly magical. Yeah. Well, so th- the first, literally the first half of the book is just sort of like touring the school, flirting with Jackson, getting little, meeting little side characters. There's a big school dance that is apparently like their monthly like school tea, but they make it special for Grace. And that's where she gets the lowdown on all of the cliques, quote unquote, at the school, including the like dress in like fancy flowy clothes with crystals click that Macy is a part of and the dress in all expensive black clothes and don't pay attention to anyone else click that Jackson is a part of and the click that Flint is a part of which I don't remember what their fucking I don't know if any of the other clicks have names besides the order no they just have like descriptions of like Everyone on this clique is very tall. That might be the one that Jackson is in. And it's just everyone is tall regardless of gender. And then there's another one where, like, everyone is wearing short sleeves. Like, they're the weirdest things that are the most loosey-goosey, vaguely related to the characteristics of the magical creature that the different groups are rules for the cliques. And of course, Grace feels like everyone is staring at her, which they are, and embarrasses herself. And during that time, runs off to the library because Jackson shows up and embarrasses her. And she's like, I can't be here anymore. Uh, So she leaves and she finds the library and the librarian's not there. But there is a girl named Leah there who is doing a chant in a back room of the library. And it's like, oh, yeah, I didn't go to the dance because I'm working on a project you must be Grace the new girl. Why don't we go to my room and hang out? And Grace is like, okay. And she makes her tea, which Grace is grateful for because her mother would make her tea. And is like, mm. oh, like I feel like I've made a real friend. But then is kind of put off when Macy shows up to find Grace. And Leah like completely blows Macy off and won't even talk to her. And she's like, oh, that's weird. She was so nice to me. Why isn't she nice to you? There's a snowball fight. And... She's invited and everyone seems to be like weirdly good at being outside in the frigid November Alaskan temperatures. They're not wearing jackets or anything, but that's probably okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, she like wakes up in the middle of the night because of like jet lag or altitude sickness or whatever. And two boys come in from outside and they weren't wearing jackets and then they're going to like push her into the snow. But then Jackson saves her. Yes. Um, and she, during the snowball fight, she falls out of a tree that she was climbing to get a better vantage point. And Flint seemingly saves her, but she does twist her ankle. So she takes another day off from going to school. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't even, she's been here like four days. She's not gone to any classes yet. Yeah. The timeline of this is wild. 
Yeah. And then she does finally start classes and like Jackson has decided at this point, I don't even fucking remember at what point Jackson, I think it's maybe after she twists her ankle where Jackson is like, okay, like I was trying to stay away from you, but now I can't stay away from you. So I'm going to like follow you around and do everything for you and get everyone away from you all the time, which is cool and fine. He gets her breakfast after she twists her ankle and she's not going to class. And the next day when she does start classes, he like shows up and starts escorting her everywhere. And him and his boys come and sit at the table with her and Macy. And after she reads him her schedule, he's like, okay, well, so-and-so can walk you to this class and -and so-and-so can walk you to this class and I'll walk you to this class. And it's very elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. But then somehow she, like, evades the order escort because Flint wants to walk her to class. And he's like, oh, nobody told you about the tunnels. And he takes her in the tunnels that connect the the buildings. And there's, like, one room that's covered in human bones. And she's like, wow, what a cool art installation. They look just like real bones. (laughs) Uh, Also, small earthquakes keep happening. Including one where she's like, it wasn't very big, only about a seven on the Richter scale. And I was like, that's actually pretty big. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As she's walking through the tunnels with Jackson, Leah, the girl who gave her tea and found her in the library, shows up. And uh, the two of them like kind of argue about walking her to class and using the tunnel to get there and like get there faster because the art class is outside on the grounds. And if you have to go back up to your room to change into your outside clothes, you can miss the actual class because uh, it's so far away, which just seems like a bad idea. But I didn't make this school. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, she does care about art because she's excited about that class. But again, it's like, do you do art? Like, what is going on here? Anyway. Yeah, so she, they, while they're in the tunnels, like, arguing, there's another bigger earthquake of the little earthquakes they've been having. And they finally get out of the tunnel and into the art room. And Jackson is waiting there and starts yelling at her for, like, walking to class with flint and you know flint's bad news and how and then flint starts arguing with jackson and then like she can tell that everyone on the other side of the wall can hear them and yells at both of them to leave her the hell alone and then goes into class it's very edward jacob coded yes and then later finds all these text messages from jackson and realizes oh he was just trying to protect me he was scared because he couldn't find me during the earthquake, and I was very rude to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. There's a bunch of bullshit. I want to get to the like mid-book reveal that obviously this is a school for supernatural beings. Yeah, just before, just in, for the context for the reveal, the only engine of suspense in this book is nobody, people not telling her things. And, but she's not investigating. She asks like maybe one or two questions about stuff. But it's like if anybody in this book had a kind of human conversation in which you tried to ask questions and somebody answered things, you would no longer have any, any suspense. So anyway, somehow we get to 53% of the book and then... 
Oh, wait, no, we did miss one incredibly important plot point. Oh, sorry, sorry. That comes before the reveal, which is that while she's laid up with the twisted ankle, Jackson sends her a book from the library, and it is, in fact, Twilight. Yes, he sends her Twilight. They have a conversation before that where she asks him if he's an alien, because she's like, I've noticed you seem weird and you never wear a jacket. And he's like, haha, no, I'm not an alien. And then he sends her Twilight. This idiot still, I mean, occasionally she's like, oh, you know, supernatural things aren't real. But um, there's a lot of weird shit going on around her. And she's like very non-concerned. Like at least Bella went to her favorite search engine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. She's not doing that. Anyway, obviously Jackson's a vampire. Yeah. Halfway through the book, he finds her crying in a room up by his room and invites her in and... They, like, look out at the the meteor shower that's outside and, like, get very cozy and then come back inside and kiss. And there's another earthquake. And then she wakes up and it's, like, later and she's in the infirmary. Maybe she's in her room. I don't remember. And no, yeah, she's I like, think oh, my God. What happened? And they tell her this like elaborate story about how she lost a lot of blood because a window exploded and severed her carotid artery. And Jackson was there and was able to save her by bringing her to the fucking. It's this very weird, elaborate, like, oh, this piece of glass just happened, which makes you think that perhaps Jason got a little overzealous. Jackson got a little overzealous when kissing her and bit her because he's a vampire and Uh then like the nurse is like don't take off the bandage at all ever or you could die and so immediately she's like i have to take off the bandage and look and she sees that it is teeth marks in her neck not stitch marks Mm -hmm. and she freaks out and figures out it's supernatural school however (laughs) later on the explanation for the teeth marks in her neck jackson didn't bite her the window did explode and a piece of glass did go into her carotid artery and she was bleeding out and then jackson used his venom to seal up the wound but then in order to fix the wound the nurse who is a vampire had to bite her to use her venom to undo Jackson's venom to stitch up the the broken the the tear in her artery and do not worry if you are looking for some vampire medical mumbo jumbo we will give you that as a dramatic reading so just like hang on to your butts what I'm here for we'll get to it but yes, that is the reveal that like, okay, there's vampires and then she, she goes to Macy. By the way, having the two like main girls be Macy and Grace, did everyone else like think of Macy Gray or is that just like my 90s earworm problem? Sure. I okay. didn't think of Macy Gray. I had an issue that they had the same vowel sounds. Yeah, like Macy Gray. And so I kept mixing them up. There's also a flint and a fin. You know why? <sighs> Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, so there's vampires, which the order is obviously vampires. And this this particular thing comes later, but I'm just going to spill it in now because there's 64 chapters. We're going <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're probably what, like halfway through the book now. So we're doing okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this this doesn't come until later, but I'm just going to dump it in now. So there's vampires at the school, but some of them are made vampires, which is like what you think of where like you bite and then they're transformed. But some of them are born vampires, which is what it sounds like, like two vampires fuck and then produce a, a vampire child who like grows and ages normally, but is a vampire. But the main vampires are still teenagers, right? Like this is an actual, this is not like kid, like ancient beings pretending to be in high school for reasons this right. is just happens yes. to, so that so yeah it was was really un, unclear about they're vampires but they're just teens they're not remote mysterious um ancient creatures right but so there's the vampires and then there are there's werewolves which are technically wolf shifters and then there's dragon shifters and then there's witches And Flint is a dragon shifter, and he's the alpha dragon. There were some wolf shifters, and they're sort of unimportant. Um, And then like jerks, yeah, generic jerks. Yeah, Macy is a witch, and Uncle Finn is a witch, but AKA warlock of warlock. Yeah, it's fucking gendered, and um. And Grace's father was a warlock, but then he married a human woman and lost his magic, which is kind of like on some Wizards of Waverly Place shit. But okay. (laughs) So she allegedly doesn't have any magic because her mom was human. And for some reason, Uncle Finn figured and there's a there's a little bit of like hand waving for why this happens later on in the book. But Uncle Finn decides the best thing he can do after Grace's parents die is to bring her to a school filled with magical creatures where she is the only human. Mm-hmm. And that that's the only, like, she is deeply close, theoretically. She says she is very close to her best friend from San Diego and her best friend's mom, who is, like, a therapist. Mm-hmm. And was staying with them between the time her parents died and the time she was able to come to Alaska. And you might think, wow, it might make sense for her to maybe stay with them longer term or something and not come to a school full of things that maybe want to kill her. Uh, and you would be right, but that was not what happens in this book. Yeah, and besides the killing, just the coaching everybody to lie to her, you know, like apparently, clearly there were like meetings before she got there that was like, don't tell Grace about the things. And... I don't know. It's just, it, you know, again, it's like everything that happens is this book happens to set up this situation, which I mean, that's how fiction writing works. But just, I don't know, try a little harder. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. Don't give us a girl who's like has dead parents and like just doesn't, you know, she thinks about it like twice in the story. It's not like emotional undergrounding or uh, undergirding or anything. So it's, yeah, it's just a lot, a lot of decisions that could have been a lot simpler. So yeah, she finds out that it's monster school and then everybody gets to stop lying about it not being monster school. Mm-hmm. And Jackson... And my, by the way, my favorite retroactive reveal about this is when they're at the, you know, welcome to school Grace dance. She's like, wow, there's a lot of like big orange igloo coolers. Like that's weird that there's so <laughs> many of those. 
and Macy is like, oh, it's because um, we like to stock up on water in case the pipes freeze. Those are all just water. Here, I got you a can of soda. Don't even worry about it. And then we retroactively learn that those are, in fact, always all full of animal blood for the vampires to drink. And just, like, imagine if, this, if Grace had been like, oh, actually, I would like some water. And just, like, went over to the orange igloo cooler and, like, got a cup of blood. <laughs> but there's uh. also, like not any apparent stakes to keeping the secret from her because even when it gets to the the dad of it just like, yeah we were going to tell you eventually we just couldn't figure out how so like everything is like it's 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 being falsely withheld from her but it's also there's no investment in this being this doesn't have to be secret for any reason you know it's just ugh. right yeah, it's not like in Twilight where it's like, oh, the Volturi will come get you. Oh, um, I promised the I promised the elders I wouldn't tell you. It's just like we didn't get around to it. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. So everything is, you know, coming up roses now. Grace is like, ah, I know everything. This is great. The next morning. She goes to breakfast. Jackson says, like, oh, like, wait for me because I have to do everything with you to protect you because everyone here is trying to kill you, which she still doesn't believe. So she goes to breakfast and Flint is like, oh, like, go sit over at my table with my friends. I'll get you food because she's still really woozy and, you know, probably shouldn't be walking around and feels really weak. And she's like, cool, great. And as she goes to sit at the table or no, she had gone to talk to Jackson earlier that morning and he wasn't there and his his clique, his boys, called him back and said he'd be a few hours. And she was like, and to stay right where she was. And she was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go get breakfast. And then just as she is going to sit at Flint's table, a chandelier starts to fall from the ceiling and would have crushed her, except that Jackson is back miraculously and pushes her out of the way. And he explains that, like he thinks that all these people are going to kill her and this is i think the point where uh her uncle explains that there's different types of vampires and that jackson is not only like a, a born vampire but he is the vampire king the vampire prince the vampire prince because she had previously found out that his older brother hudson had been leah's boyfriend and had died several months ago and and leah's a mean witch she's a mean vampire but yes oh is she, I thought she was a witch. No, she's no, a vampire. She's, she's definitely a vampire, but like when you meet her, she's doing a spell. So I definitely just assumed she was a witch for, for most of it too. She has the uh, witch mark. It's very odd. She's a I think she's a vampire who can do witch magic. I know. Like I think vampire witches are awesome and they should have leaned into that. But apparently the groups have to stay separate. Huh. Yes. Um, so she starts to learn about all the different creatures that are around and she goes to the library and the librarian, who's a witch, uh, sends her to talk to Flint about being a dragon. And he roasts a bunch of marshmallows with his dragon breath. And he also has control over water and he can make plants grow. Those are yes. all his dragon powers. And he can fly. Yes. yes. So, like, remember in Twilight when, like, some vampires get special abilities? Here it's like that, but even more random and chaotic. <laughs> Some people got a whole like full handful like every, like there was like you know a a bowl and there were powers written on slips of paper and everyone was like supposed to take one but some people grabbed a whole handful. Oh, see, I thought what he was doing, all dragons could do. 
You know, well, it's I don't never know, explained be- yeah, one no, way or the we, other. As, as so little as I will say one thing about the marshmallow roasting reminded me this book, these girls get really excited about food and snacks and they just like enjoy eating food and it doesn't seem to be like shamed for it or anything like that. So I thought that was a nice little, little moment, even though it's like, again, she likes corny jokes and candy. That's true. Yes. That's nice. And while, while we were saying like random things about this book that made us go, huh, yeah. Um, her best friend, Heather from back home, who she spends all of her time texting is queer and, and horny and horny. And it's just chill. It's just mentioned yes. that, like, you know, she's got a crush on a girl. And she asks when when Grace is settling in, she asks Grace if there's any hot girls at her new school. And, you know, just a couple of comments in the background, which I thought was nice, too, even though we never see Heather or know anything about her. And she's not actually in the book. Maybe she'll show up in one of the sequels, just like a California girl for a surprise visit, sees all the hot chicks and discovers that they are dragons. Yeah, that'd be cool. We can only hope. We'll find out next year. <laughs> Unless Stephanie Meyer writes something new, which, like, please God. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackson explains after Grace meets with him again in his room and they do some, like, sexy biting that they're both real horny for. Not like a not like a, a sucking all of her blood out and killing her kind of biting, but, like, really horny biting and in a way where they're like oh these vampires their venom has different properties depending on what they want to venom and so like sometimes there's coagulant venom and sometimes there's anticoagulant venom and sometimes there's horny venom yeah and we also find out that all the earthquakes that are happening are because of jackson when he can't control his emotions around grace he makes an earthquake happen uh so that's happening yeah. By the way, let's go around because I think we all thought that we all had a different idea for what that reveal was going to be because I thought that Grace was causing them because she did have witch powers and like her feelings about Jackson were like, you know, causing some Toremo style little earthquakes. I thought there was a like an underground dragon that somehow was Jackson was not allowed to get horny or emotional or the underground dragon would like surface and burn up the school. I don't know. But I thought it was some other entity that was Jackson's enemy that was making the earthquakes. I thought sort of a middle ground between the two. I initially thought that it did have something to do with like Grace being at the school because of the way Jackson kept saying like it's not safe for you here. And all these bad things kept happening to her. At the first few times it happened, I thought that it was something to do with her and like some like unknown unactivated powers that she had or something that was there to get her but then after the earthquake that happened while they were kissing for the first time i remembered how she had made a point of saying that jackson's texts being really worried about her had come during the earthquake times and that's when i figured it was maybe him so so kate got there first yeah Congrats. Yes, I didn't start uh, out there, though. I don't think I would in a million years God, oh, yes, these are Jackson horniness earthquakes. Yeah, because, by the way, because he has telekinesis as one of his vampire powers, so I guess it's connected to that, maybe. But I that's, have no fucking idea. So that, that, all of that. 
Um, this is also where we find out that Jackson killed his brother, Leah's boyfriend, Hudson, because he was the first vampire prince, but he was a sociopath and he was evil and he wanted to kill all of the shifters and all of the witches and all of the made vampires and all of the humans so that the born vampires could rule over everyone. And Jackson thought that was a bad idea. So he did have to kill his brother. And that's why he has a scar on his face because his mother was so angry that she he killed his brother and ruined her plans that she left him with a scar, which because it's very hard to scar vampires, if you do have a scar, it kind of is like, oh, you're like bad at vampiring. So she has marked him with bad at vampiring forever. And just this is the point when Jackson is sort of trying to explain this thing that happened when he killed his brother. For, like, the first part of the book where Grace, like, didn't know anything that was going on because nobody would tell her and she was bad at investigating. I was like, okay, this is just the genre, you know, you've got to keep the protagonist in the dark for a while and then reveal and that's part of the fun. But then when he's trying to tell this story, she keeps making, like, assumptions. She's like, oh, well, you only killed him because, like, she's completely made up this story about what his motives were. Because she's like, well, you would never hurt someone on purpose. It's like, what? You you have no idea of any of the context of this. And it's just, a, it's a very, like, like so it's at that point, I'm like, this is just the only move this author has is for the, like, narrator to not understand what's going on and to not bother to um, try to find out. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So Jackson also explains that Flint has been trying to kill her the entire time that she has been there that when she thought that he saved her from falling out of the tree he didn't really save her jackson used his telekinesis to move flint to break her fall as she fell from the tree because somebody had made a strong wind and knocked her out of the tree in an attempt to kill her and there was another point where like something happened that it seemed like Flint saved her from, but really Jackson was intervening and making Flint do something and that he didn't actually save her. And it makes her immediately suspicious. And when she confronts him, Flint, about it later, he's like, oh, that's not what it is, but I can't explain what it is around vampires, so I would need to talk to you in private. And the vampires are like, we can't let you talk to her. So. She's just like, okay, bye. And leaves for class. Why doesn't he text her? <laughs> you know, Carrie, <laughs> you would think. <laughs> They're always texting in this book. Is Jackson the only boy who is able to get her number? Who can say? <sighs> okay. We're getting we're getting through it. So Leah walks Grace to art class again. And invites her to come over to her room that night for Manny Petties because that was a thing that she had offered like early in the book. And Grace is like, oh, like I'd love to, but I have plans with Jackson. And she's like, oh, okay, like I guess I understand it. That's fine. We'll do it tomorrow. And Grace is like, yeah, cool. So Grace goes on this date with Jackson and he like flies her into the sky to look at the aurora borealis and then gives her like fancy jewelry that looks like the aurora borealis mm -hmm. 
And by the way, it's like, oh, Edward Cullen can give you a piggy rag right up a tree. Well, I can just straight up fly you with my telekinesis. So get fucked, Twilight. Yeah, pretty much. And then when they come back inside, he's like, oh, I'm going to make you like some hot tea. Like Leah dropped off some tea this afternoon um, as like a peace offering because Leah, Jackson and Leah used to be best friends. But then after... Jackson killed Hudson. Leah was like, fuck you. And they're not friends anymore. But she was like, ah, oh, like maybe we should be friends again. Anyway, here's some of that tea you like. And he's like, cool, thanks. And then they drink it. And while they're making out, they both start to go woozy. And Jackson like shoves Grace away and tells her to get out. And she's like, what? And then Leah comes in and announces that she has drugged them the tea and then shoots Jackson and Grace with tranquilizer darts. Yes. And then, so Grace wakes up in the middle of like a satanic panic-ass ritual where she has been stripped of her clothes and changed into a thin cotton gown and she's um, tied hands and feet to like a big stone slab in the dark. And she can tell she's alone, so she starts, like, trying to squirm her way out of the ropes. And she gets out of the ropes and, like, steps down and tries to, like, move through the the space she's in. And she realizes she's, like, underground in the tunnel dungeon labyrinth system. And she's like, ew, it's wet. And then the lights come on, or the candles come on, and she's like, oh, fuck, this is blood. Like, this whole room is flooded with blood, which is really gross. And... <laughs> Uh, in the tunnels, she finds Flint is a, in dragon form and he is fighting with Leah and tries to explain to Grace that Leah's had this plan that to bring Hudson back and that he has been looking for Grace specifically to do the plan and that she's the person who caused the accident that killed Grace's parents and convinced uncle finn to bring her here in a way that isn't ever explained and she needs grace to be killed for part of this ritual and that's why flint has been trying to keep kill grace this whole time is Mm -hmm. to keep leah from doing her spell and that jackson is has a part in it too and flint's like sorry i have to kill you now But then Jackson appears to rescue her. But before she can get away, Leah finds her and starts fighting with her to get her back to the slab so that she can do the ritual and bring Hudson back. Yes. And at some point, there's like a a big, you know, fancy looking spell book and Grace manages to like squirm away and rip out the spell book pages and burn them on the candles And Leah's like, LOL, I have the spell memorized. And I've been working for months to to make a plan to like kill your parents and convince your uncle to bring you here. And you think I'd let one like page from the spell book stop me? Dun dun dun. She also reveals in here that Jackson, that vampires mate and Grace is Jackson's mate. Yeah. Which isn't further explored. No. But she starts to bring back this, like, cloud of dark smoke that is Hudson. And at at one point, like, Grace makes a comment about her being human. And Leah's like, you're not, you're, like, real stupid. You're not human. Why would I do this 
for to get a human like there are humans everywhere i could get a human anywhere i wouldn't need to work this hard if i just needed a human but then does not further elaborate and just tries to kill grace and make her suck in the huts and smoke and jackson is trying to get in the whole time but he can't because he can't get into the room without being invited yes this book plays real i mean i guess every vampire story is like fast and loose with what pieces of vampire lore are true and what are not but that's this is one that they like is that you have to be invited in okay but this is a particularly stupid loophole that they evoke now yeah, because what happens is Jackson just like smashes on the wall and then he's like, now it's not a room because it doesn't have a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Made no sense. Yeah. Uh, and then Jackson uses his telekinesis powers to contain the smoke of Hudson. Into an orb. Yeah. And then he kills Leah and he Leah attacks him first and he's bleeding heavily and so to keep him from bleeding out, Grace, like, has him bite her and take her blood. And then she wakes up in the infirmary several days later, once again. And everyone's like, yeah, like, Leah's dead. Jackson's okay. We've known each other for literally, like, eight days at this point. But we are declaring our forever love for each other here Big in time. the high school infirmary. And there's, like, no reason this book couldn't take place over a semester of school. There's no reason this has to happen in, like, six days. But just, like, I guess why not? I guess why not? Yeah. Then there's, like, some more fluff nonsense where Jackson's like, Grace is like, I'm tired of being in my room. Like, I'm mostly healed. Let's do something. And Jackson takes her out to a clearing in the woods and they make a snowman together because Grace's big thing is actually one of her many big things is that she had never seen snow before coming to Alaska. And then a couple of days later, they're going to class and out of nowhere, the black smoke reappears <laughs> and it's Hudson and he has mm-hmm. a sword. <laughs> he has a sword. And then Grace processes this and realizes Jackson was never meant to be the hero of my story because I was always meant to be the hero of his. And even though much has been made about how strong Jackson is and how like, you know, weak and human and whatever Grace is, although I guess citation needed, she like grabs him and spins him around and has these fast reflexes so that she is the one who is hit with the sword rather than Jackson. And then, so I was reading the Kindle version of this and after that point, like this, you know, she spins around the sword hits and then that Kindle thing popped up that was like, before you go, rate this book. And I was like, oh, um, because Kindle had said there was still like 9% of the book left or something. And I was like, oh, OK, I guess this is all just preview for the next one. Sweet. I'm done. And then I like closed it. And then Carrie texted me to be like, hey, was there anything like leading up to this reveal? And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? And then I realized there is one epilogue chapter that is still technically part of this book. This chapter, by the way, is entitled She Persisted. And this final epilogue chapter is from Jackson's point of view because Grace can't narrate for herself anymore because Grace isn't a witch she isn't a vampire she is a gargoyle and i guess in the process of like defending herself from the sword hit she transformed into a stone sculpture gargoyle and now she is stuck as gargoyle 
And Jackson is like pleading with the like professor of gargoyles to be like, hey, um, make like fix her, help her come back to human. Like, and the professor's like, gargoyles can't be stuck as gargoyle forms. Like, she has the ability to change back. She just must not want to. And then that's like the end of this part. And I'm like, how did her? She turned into a gargoyle and then Hudson disappeared again. Did she suck up the smoke? Yeah, I, I think maybe know. the I think maybe the implication is the smoke is stuck also in gargoyle form. Right? I don't know. It's so weird. I well, you know what, guys? Unless unless Stephanie Meyer pulls a fast one between now and next September, which hey, it could happen. It happened could the happen. year the next one came out. We will we will find out next year. Okay, I was complaining about this. I was like, I don't know if I can do another of these. But then this afternoon when I was like, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was looking for something on my phone. And I was like, well, I guess I could go back and review some of Crave. But then it showed up on Hoopla. It was like, listen to Crush next, the next book. And then I was overcome with, oh, I want to know. And then, but then Hoopla doesn't actually have Crush. It just wanted me to know that was the next book so I could ask my librarian for it. So in that case, I perhaps shall wait a year. My hoopla does have crash. I just didn't listen to it because I... Because it's not time yet. Mine looked like it did, but it didn't. It's one of those things where I'm like, well, maybe I'll just like read the first chapter to see if I can understand what the fuck is going on, but it's it's fine. It probably there's I will say there's different levels of hoopla access for libraries oh. so they can set like oh our users can access anything that costs like less than three dollars per use. Well our libraries can access anything that costs less than four dollars per use okay. or like whatever. So perhaps crush is priced slightly outside of whatever your library's limit is. Well I think that's what because I believe the first these first two books came out in twenty twenty. So it's like one in the spring and one in the fall or something. And I think like they do that. So they like get you hooked on the first book and then you have to, you know, whatever, like when they, yeah, you have, you have to figure out what's the deal with this gargoyle. (laughs) Exactly. So probably that's whatever, like the, the basic tier hoopla is just for people who, who, who are going to get hooked on the first book. But yeah, I think I, I, I can resist the, the urge, even though I did, I read some things, but I will, I will hold, I will zip my lips. (sighs) It's actually very di- difficult to find anything about this series because there's like a wiki, but it's only very half-heartedly filled in. So I was able to just guess some things. But anyway, it's it's. It, I th- I think there are things that were introduced that will be explored more in the next book. Well, there better be. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that there is a seventh book coming out in <sighs> January. And it's a spin-off series. Yeah. Oh, I know. So I think like the gargoyle lore gets deep. That's kind of the gargoyle realm. So like I'm like, okay, I I could I could I could I could see some of that. Sure. Well, we'll get into all that later. For now, why don't we get into our dramatic readings? And the first one is just gonna okay, this is from chapter 25, which is entitled Truly Madly Deeply Bitten. And we, um, I will be Jackson and Kate will be Grace and it's just them texting. And so we'll cut out some other like things that happen around the text. And one thing I have to say is that in this book, there's a lot of texting and there's a lot of emoji use and she'll always just write out like wink emoji. 
which there is the technology now to put emojis in books. And then sometimes she'll describe an emoji. Like if it's like wink, I'm like, I get it. But then one time I highlighted because it's not in this part, but one time she said the DTF emoji. And I'm like, what is that? What's the (laughs) DTF emoji? That is not a standard emoji. Is the one that just says DTF or is that like eggplant? And that's what some people call it. I don't know. Mm, I don't think anybody calls the eggplant the DTF emoji. I guess I, I guess maybe one person does, but <laughs> it's never specified. It's it's simply just the DTF emoji. Anyway, so just anytime we are reading like blank emoji, it literally just says blank emoji in the text. All right, so let's get texting. What's your favorite movie? ATM to all the boys I've loved before. Of all time, some kind of wonderful. Yours? Die Hard. Seriously? What's wrong with Die Hard? Nothing. JK, it's Rogue One. The Star Wars movie where everybody dies? The Star Wars movie where people sacrifice themselves to save their galaxy. There are worse ways to die. Okay, then there's some narration, blah, blah, blah. Favorite ice cream flavor? Don't have one. Because you like them all? Which, by the way, is the only acceptable answer to not having a favorite. I think we both know there are a million different reasons I'm unacceptable, and ice cream choice barely makes the list. Favorite song? OMG, I can't choose. What if I said you had to? I can't. There are too many. You? I asked you first. Uh, you suck. You have no idea how much. Okay, fine. ATM, Niall Horns, Put a Little Love on Me, and Anything by Maggie Rogers. Of all time, Take Me to Church by Hozier or Umbrella from Rihanna. You? Savage Garden, Truly Madly Deeply. Anything by Childish Gambino or Beethoven. Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl is my new favorite, though. I should say, I said we were going to skip the the text, but one notable thing that happens between that last chunk of texting and now is that Jackson has sent her a delivery to her room of Twilight. And so this is in response to that. Swoon emoji. Don't get too starry-eyed. It's supposed to be a warning. Winky kiss emoji. Of what? Things that go bump in the night. You can never be too careful. I like scary stories. But do you like the monsters in them? I guess it depends on the monster. I guess we'll see then, won't we? I don't know what that means. They keep texting after that, but like, what's the swoon emoji? What's that one? I have no idea. That's not a standard emoji. Winky kiss is a standard emoji. I'll give you that, Jackson. By the way, while y'all were reading, I tried to find out what the DTF emoji was and I couldn't find it. But I did find an emoji guide for parents, and it said DTF means I would like to have sex or I agree with the plans you want to make. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like one of those for plausible deniability. I'm down to finalize those plans. I mean, in in defense of whoever wrote that, we we do use DTF to mean down to farm. <laughs> like like to play Stardew Valley. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
it's amazing yeah. I was able to make that leap, but not that amazing. Yeah, to signify when we're ready to sign on to our co-op Stardew Valley Farm, we text DTF. <laughs> uh, we're very cool. We are super cool. <laughs> um, when you say we, you mean specifically the two of you to each other. Yeah, and and Lindsay and Becca. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. You're your whole farming collective. That's excellent. Yes. Um. Yeah, we're very cool. And uh, and then I text the swoon emoji. <laughs> Uh, and then the carrot emoji <laughs> for farming. And um, okay, then whatever. The next dramatic reading is uh, some some Carla Colin style vampire medicine. And uh, this time I'll be Grace and Carrie will be Macy. I pull off the bandage for a second time and turn my head so she can see the puncture marks just below my cut. Oh, is that what this is all about? She sounds way too relieved, considering I just told her some vampire sunk his or her teeth into me without my permission. Then again, do they ever ask permission before they bite? And if so, who would be foolish enough to say yes? One more question to add to the tally of about a hundred or so I have waiting for Jackson. I can explain everything. Oh, well, okay then. Please feel free. Explain away. Maurice did that to you. The school nurse? I don't know why that shocks me so much, but it really, really does. Maurice is a vampire too? She is, and she didn't have a choice. She had to bite you if she had any hope of repairing your arterial tear. I narrow my eyes at her. I thought it was a nick. It was a tear and you almost died. You would have died, in fact, if Jackson hadn't been there and done what he did to save you. You mean running me back to the nurse's office? I mean sealing your wound so you wouldn't bleed out while he got you to the nurse's office. Vampire venom has a lot of different properties depending on what the vampire intends. Jackson didn't bite you, but he did use his venom to seal your wound. And from what I understand, he was a little too thorough, and Maurice couldn't get through it to actually suture the wound. So she bit me and got through that way? I try not to shudder at the thought of her teeth sinking into my neck. When I believed it was Jackson, it freaked me out, but it didn't gross me out. I can't say the same about having anyone else's teeth in me, though. She bit you and injected her own venom using the anticoagulant properties instead of the coagulant ones. It was enough to break down what Jackson had done and let her heal you properly. So vampires can just do that? Just override each other's venom? Keep in mind, I'm not a vampire, but... Right, you're just a witch. I don't think they can, at least not normally. But she's an older, more mature vampire, and she's also a healer, which gives her extra abilities in times like that. It's why she's a school nurse. But from what my dad said, it still took a lot of skill and venom to undo what Jackson had done. That boy was determined to save you. Okay, I just, I have a couple thoughts, one of which I'm sorry that I keep bringing you dramatic readings. Actually, th no, I'm not, because this was your book, but they're always yeah. about sucking venom. And also, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole thing about Maurice being the school nurse and not a doctor. And I'm like, because they're so far away from civilization. So I'm like, just have a fucking doctor on staff, because then Maurice could be a doctor and the Twilight Savvy children can make Carlisle Cullen Dr. Vampire jokes. I also feel like school nurse is like a title, you mm -hmm. know, like she could well be a doctor and her title would be like school nurse because that's just like, you know, what they would informally call her. 
Also, I want to be clear. Like, I didn't think about how to pronounce her name. And in case it sounds like we're saying Maurice, it's M-A-R-I-S-E, which is not a, a name that I know. Okay, they did say Maurice in the audiobook, which, by the oh, way, okay. I'm sorry, have to break in the fact that there is a character whose name is, this is not Tracy Wolf's fault. The character's name is Mackay, M-E-K-H-I, like Mackay Pfeiffer, a well-known 90s actor name whose name, for some reason, is in many rap songs. It's pronounced Mackay. The audiobook narrator is consistently calling him Mecky, and it was driving oh, me no. crazy. Like, Mecky, no, not that. Like, find somebody who... I'm like, Tracy Wolf knows who Childish Gambino is. She knows how to pronounce Mackay Pfeiffer's name. They could have done a little bit better. That's all I'm saying. I will say that I thought that it was Mickey until I saw, I looked at the document that uh, we were taking notes in and saw that Renata had typed out the name Makai. And I was like, oh, I just assumed this guy's name was Mickey the entire time. Because I was listening to it at like 2.25. So I mean, that would also be reasonable, but it's very clearly he's like a black character who I think has, has locks. And so Clearly, this author, in an effort to be multicultural, has chosen a name that would be appropriate. And the audiobook reader's just like, that's probably Mecky. Yes. I was going to say, though, that my the thing that bothered me about the whole, like, you know, she said she, because there's this whole thing where the nurse says that she did stitches. And Grace gets suspicious because don't only doctors do stitches? Like, how can she, as a nurse, be doing stitches? And I was like, I haven't fucking seen a doctor do stitches when (laughs) I've either had stitches done or been with other people who are getting stitches like doctors don't do stitches that's that's like nurse or intern work <laughs> like, that's, yeah that's very bizarre just because the doctors are not competent enough to be to do stitches let's be honest okay what do we anyway so the last dramatic reading we are going to do is about flint the dragon boy showing off his cool dragon powers and in this one carrie will be grace and I will be Flint. Oh, I haven't really thought of specific questions, except Macy says you have wings. That means you can actually fly? My mind boggles at the thought. Yeah, I can fly. I can do other stuff, too. Like what? Well, geez, if we're going to get into all of this, I feel like we need some sustenance. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean... It's all good, new girl. From the backpack's front pocket, he pulls out a half-eaten bag of marshmallows and holds it out to me. Want one? They're my favorite snack. Mine, too. I mean, usually invites crispy treats, but I'm not complaining. I start to pop it in my mouth, but he stops me with a hand on my arm. Hey, that's no way to eat a marshmallow. What do you mean? He just wiggles his brows, then tosses the marshmallow up in the air and blows fire straight at it out of his mouth. Italics. I shriek, then cover my mouth, half in shock, half in delight, as the marshmallow turns a perfect golden brown right in midair. Seconds later, Flake closes his mouth and the treat falls directly into his hand. He holds it out to me. Now that's how you eat a marshmallow. You're telling me, oh my god, it's hot, I say around the gooey goodness. He gives me a look that says, no shit, Sherlock. And it's perfectly roasted. I can't believe how cool this is. Of course it is. I've been doing this a long time. Want another one? Are you kidding? I want them all. All the marshmallows. All the time. My kind of woman. Can I throw it? I'd be insulted if you didn't. I giggle as I toss the marshmallow up in the air. And this time I scream only a little as Flint shoots a stream of fire straight at it. When it's done, he closes his mouth and the marshmallow falls straight back into my hand. It's hot. Really hot. So I juggle it between my hands for a second, 
waiting for it to cool down. Then I look out to him. This one's yours. He looks surprised as he glances between the marshmallows and me. Then he says, hey, thanks, and pops it in his mouth. I will say that sounds rad as hell. I love roasted marshmallows. If I could have that ability, that's choice. That is such a good power, I have to say. And I would not like to say marshmallows are my favorite snack, but if I could do that, sweet. I'm skeptical it would work the way he does it, but dragon magic. I mean, if he can also make a, a flower bloom out of nothing, like maybe he can control it in such a way to perfectly roast them. I don't know, but that... I would much rather have that than any vampire power. <laughs> it's good. Ooh, all right. Let's move on to reader's advisory and suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to Crave. Gotta say Crave, not recommended. No. Yes, this is definitely an instead of reader's advisory here. And I'm just going to say right off the bat that uh, the greatest book of all time, Dracula, is the greatest <laughs> book of all time. Why do you need to read any other vampire books? <laughs> Yeah, Dracula. Um, well, you you could read Twilight. Eh. <laughs> um, and also you should go back if you are truly like hungry for vampire books. We have provided several lists for previous Twilight episodes. Um, a couple I'm going to throw out here. One is that TV show Gargoyles, which I actually never really watched, but I know people are like really horny for it. And so if if you are into Gargoyles, I don't know watch that show gargoyles maybe and then a newer book uh called to shape a dragon's breath by monoquil black goose this book whips ass i love it so much it's a very cool alt history magic boarding school for people who are bonded to dragons and the world building is super cool my friend anna recommended it to me and then she like paused and she was like and it starts with a fantasy map but you can just ignore that don't worry about it and i was like okay (laughs) And then I opened it, and then I was like, you didn't tell me that also starts with a fantasy periodic table? And she was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You can also just ignore that. And I was like, mm, okay. And I started off, like, very wary. But um, it's excellent, um, queer, casually poly, also very cool, uh, much better than this, although... They never do roast marshmallows on Dragon's Breath, so that is the one bad thing I have to say about it. Yeah, I'm also going to throw out a recommendation. I don't read a lot of dragon books, but I did read these two, Shatter the Sky and Storm the Earth, which is a duology by friend of the show, Rebecca Kim Wells, and I do recommend those. I had, um, again, in the dragon direction, um, if you want something in the completely different feeling from this, there's a short novel called Keeper's Six by Kate Elliott, and it has sort of human-bonded dragon folks, and it's a lot of queerness, a lot of found family, but it's very specifically is about um, a basically middle-aged woman who is just sick of it all, and she's trying to help her kids, and just has sort of a great attitude that I wish we saw more um, in characters. Has some weird dragon stuff. It might be a little bit too, like, it doesn't have maps, but it might be helpful if it had a map. So I don't know if that might be a little bit of too much if you're not into the really like complex fantasy world building. But I thought it was really interesting. And then just something that's a more like traditional comp, um, Legend Born by Tracy Dion, which has probably been mentioned on here before, but it's a mm-hmm. 
just in terms of like the sort of magical school idea that has a lot of the same emotional beats of this woman whose uh, mother has died, or I guess she's, she's a teenager. She, her mother has died and she's at a, a college program and finds all these like magical goings on. But it really is a, you know, somebody who really is a proactive character in terms of wanting to investigate and find out what's going on and like learning stuff about herself and her family. The love triangle feeling is kind of similar to what you get here. Um, but again, I think it's um, a little bit, um, all of the characters feel like they've kind of got their own stuff going on. And it's set in North Carolina in the, the U.S. South. Um, it's a uh, Black girl protagonist by a Black American author. And I think it's sort of just a really interesting lens um, on that kind of fantasy. Yes, and I fully agree. And the way that Legendborn handles race and its world building is like very, very intentional and sharp. And here we didn't, I think, really mention that a lot of the characters are like Flint is black and there's like like there's kind of she's assembled kind of a rainbow coalition where there's like casually one native one and one, I think um latinx one and like one southeast asian one yeah it doesn't matter specifically japanese oh yeah um but it doesn't matter at all yeah in in the way that like the in the way that like breeze blackness matters in legendborn and other things and i in some ways i think that's like you know okay to have just sort of casual diversity but here it really just does feel like i have sprinkled some races upon my characters and let's go Oh, okay. Let's move on to the Rock Paper Snicked, our favorite game where Kate will say who Dwayne the Gargoyle Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if you're in this book. And Carrie can choose which most enhances it, or she could choose paper, which is to leave it as is. Well, you did spoil mine right off the bat. Which <laughs> Sorry. Is, if Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in this book, he would appear only in the epilogue as the only other living gargoyle and the <laughs> leading expert on gargoyles uh, who is brought in by Uncle Finn and the rest of the folks at Catmare Academy in order to study what has gone on with Grace. This would not really improve the book because he would just show up at the very end and all the rest of the stupid d- things that happened in the book would happen. But it would be too funny not to do. Absolutely. It would improve book two. Yeah. All right. If Wolverine were in this book, um, we've mentioned before that there is an era in X-Men comic times where Jubilee is a vampire. Uh, I know you know that, Carrie. I'm just telling the audience. So anyway, Wolverine would hear about this school, send uh, Vampire Jubilee to attend Catmere Academy because even though Xavier's school is great and all, it's sort of more for mutants and they don't know as much about vampires, so this would be better for her. And Jubilee, of course, would be like so friendly and chatty that she would immediately tell Grace everything about vampires and the witches and everything about the school. So Grace would be fully informed. But I do not believe this would alter any of Grace's actions in any way. You know, I like the, I like the Wolverine story just as a story, but as far as enhancing this particular book and making me excited to come back in a year to read more, I'm gonna have to pick a rock. And and Kate, I hope you will. If we do continue with these books, we'll continue with with what Rock's adventures would be because I'm oh, sure that they would enhance the book. Of course. Um. All right. Now it's time for George Day's corner, where my cat George Day will share his opinions about the book. 
Yeah, I know, Dorte. It is really, I think only True Blood that I know of. Actually, as soon as I started saying this, I think there are a ton of other shifter like romance novels that I don't know about in detail. But of the things that I've consumed, True Blood is the only thing brave enough to also have like weird panthers and like cat involved in the shifter universe. And I do agree that it's really unfair that cats are so often not represented in this kind of like fantasy adventure. But on the other hand, I think, again, you really don't. It just feels like cats are smarter than this. It feels like there's probably a lot of cat shifters in this universe, but they're just like, why would we go there? Why would we do that? And to be honest, like, good for them. Cats like to be warm. It's not warm. Yes. Yes, I was just going to say cat shifters probably have their own school, like maybe back in San Diego, and they just like curl up in the sun all the time. I mm, I would read that for sure. Um, but yeah, Dorite, sorry for making you read all of this with not even any cats in it. That that was rough, and I'm sorry for that. <sighs> Do any humans have any closing thoughts? This was such a long book that nothing happened in. I did really, like, I was kind of grabbed by that sort of like meta next generation twilight thing and it did make me think that i haven't encountered something but like kind of you know how northanger abbey is the jane austen book that's about (laughs) a girl who kind of lives her life by the what she's learned in gothic novels or scream is about people who live their life by what they've learned in horror movies i think there's some real potential to do something actually really interesting with like the girl who like grew up on supernatural romance and, and something like that. But this, this, this was not that. And it just made me wish I was reading something, reading something different. Yeah. A book I have recommended before is vampires never get old, which is the short story anthology edited by Zoraida Cordova. And some of those, I think get a little bit closer to that kind of like genre savvy vampire enthusiast, but Does you know, they're short Does- is that the one with the um, B. Schwab story that um, First Blood was based on? Yes. That's a good story. I, the show kind of petered out, but that's, that's a really interesting. Oh, the one thing that would be funny is when the time she asks him if he's an alien, if there's a girl who goes to the this school, but she's kind of like in the Fox Mulder vein of thinking everything's aliens. So Ooh, that would she, be fun. Yeah, so it be is, funny. she is genre savvy, but she's in the wrong genre. So she wants that would be fun. To, she wants to be X Files like everything, and people are like, "No, no, no!" See, sparkle vampires. No. Yeah, my closing thought is that I'm sort of, although this is a legit New York Times bestseller per the cover, I am sort of heartwarmed by the fact that this series is not very popular and hasn't taken off because I feel like the design of this book is very cynical, right? It's like, uh. Those idiots that like Twilight, they'll read anything. Just like make it look like Twilight and make it sort of seem like Twilight and they'll love it. And it, I feel like this has been like broadly rejected and that's correct. Yet somehow there are a ton of them. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like she's still publishing them. I'm not saying like nobody's reading them, but like they're clearly not approaching the success levels of Twilight. And I am glad. It's not what the culture wants for sure. Mm-mm. What we want is more Stephanie Meyer books, preferably by September 2024, please. Want is a, is a, in a very broad definition of the word want. 
We want them. <laughs> we crave them. <laughs> content. Need content for this pod. <laughs> uh, speaking of the pod, as we mentioned earlier, this is our ninth anniversary, and that's so wild. And thanks, everyone, for listening for nine years. And Carrie, thanks for being an OG. Thank you. You're welcome. Whichever is the appropriate thing you're supposed to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, this is, it is unreal to me that we've been doing this for nine years. It was, I remember two or three, I guess it was in 2020, it was during the pandemic. I made a comment about how we started in 2015, which was incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, the person who I made the comment to was like, wow, you've been consistently doing a podcast for like five years. Like, that's so much. And I was like, yeah, I guess it is. And then I was like, oh, actually, I was wrong. <laughs> it's been for six years. Yeah. Math is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And now here we are three whole years after that, and we're still doing it. That's lovely. Still still not doing math, though. No, still bad at that. Um, yeah. Well, if you want to come talk to us online, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller spelled normally. We're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S. Uh, because the S got burned up in the spellbook fire, and Leah didn't even need that S because she'd memorized the S, but like, here we are, man. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Google, where the Google Podcasts live. I don't know what it is. Amazon. Sorry, I had like a real patter going that started (laughs) with fucking Stitcher, which does not exist anymore. And you so know, now I'm a, really thrown off whenever I this part. I have a suggestion. I find a lot of podcasts now just say, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And I think that maybe we could transition to that. I'll because do my best. originally it was like, you know, we didn't used to be on Spotify because you used to have to like apply to get on Spotify and it was like a whole thing. And now it's just like, ah, yeah, like everybody's everywhere. Just, yeah. Just I will I will have to work on that. Anyway, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You know where you get them and how you listen to them. And if you do find us there, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up in the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. If you don't rate and review, then we're not going to tell you the secrets of our weird boarding school in a castle on top of a mountain in remote Alaska. And you'll just have to be clueless forever. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you offer a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our equipment up to date and pay for our web hosting. And in return, there are perks for you, like postcards and stickers in the mail and uh, a bonus episode every month that is just about whatever Renata and I are into lately. Last month, it was... I don't remember, but we were into it. Barbie? Barbie, Good Omens, Hello Kitty Island Adventure, Hello Kitty Island Adventure, and all Big sorts challenges. of other things. Yeah, those are good. They're good company, y'all out there. If you're not listening to the bonus episodes, they are just nice little comfortable conversations, and I always learn stuff. Oh, thanks, Carrie. Thank you. Yeah, just if you like the parts of our uh, episodes that are just us chit chatting, and you can have a whole episode that's just that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have merch available at worst, if you go to worstbestsellers.com and click on merch and you'll find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body 
And finally, we do have a Discord server for fans of the show to talk to each other about the show and other podcasts and whatever you're watching on TV and whatever crafts you're doing and Taylor Swift and whatever else crosses your mind. And you can also find that by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the link for the Discord. Uh, If you want to find me personally, I'm on most of the social media at Renata Snacks. Uh, If you're trying to find me personally, I am on most of the social media at 14 Across. I am now on Blue Sky at Carrie, M-P-R-U-E-T-T, and whatever else goes on a Blue Sky address. um, That's sort of what I'm using right now, but I wouldn't say that I'm using it a lot. I'm also, I am on that Worst Bestsellers Discord if anybody wants to say hi there. Yeah, party in the Discord. Oof. All right, and uh, Carrie, uh, and and you've you've been thanked multiple times, but you really did go through a lot with this one. So thank you one more time for enduring yeah. brave. <laughs> this one was rough. A lot of book, a lot of. I have a new computer, getting adjusted. Didn't want to talk to my browser, but we're here, and I really appreciate it. Guys, I have very bad news for you. However, huh? book two is 18 hours long which is even <laughs> longer than book one was i like the cover on book two though it's got a kind of like sexy geode thing happening it's the rock <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, know, I, know. I mean it is gargoyle themed right <sighs> i will find out we'll find out but uh not till next year instead our next episode coming up will be go set a watchman by harper lee oh wow that sounds really interesting <laughs> i yeah. have that i've not read it well we're we're about to so. <laughs> you're about to tell me whether i should sounds good yep um all right well thanks again thanks everyone and bye bye, bye.